You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. This is a reading of a cycle of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled A Modern Art of Education. This is a lecture he gave during the week. Uh, uh, it's lecture 13, as it were, entitled The Three Eras of Human Religious Education, given on August 12, 1923. Our weekday lectures are devoted to the subject of education. This Sunday lecture will be different. From the education of children on earth, the human art of education we are trying to develop, we look up to the divine educators of all man, of all humankind. Those great cosmic educators have guided us from age to age in history and evolution through various religious and ethical aspirations related to the stages of our consciousness of the surrounding world. Despite the many valleys and lowlands that have interrupted the ascending development of humanity, when we look at history as one great whole, we see it as a continuous education of the human race, whereby divine consciousness repeatedly enters humanity. In every era of human evolution, there has been some kind of initiation science, analogous in a way to what I outlined in title How to Know Higher Worlds. There I describe modern initiation, which leads from a mere knowledge of nature to knowledge of spirit. To initiation science, human evolution is revealed in a threefold light. We can look back to a very ancient era, which ended around the 8th century B.C. It was an era radiant with the light of the mystery of Golgotha, when an eternal impulse entered human evolution through Jesus Christ. Today we are just beginning the third era, which we must deepen through a new initiation science. Beyond what is given to humankind through the natural intelligence of reason, will, and feeling, and through earthly education, each of these three eras has worked towards something else. In each era, humankind has sensed the existence of a grand mystery woven deeply into our destiny. It has assumed various forms because the human race has passed through different conditions of soul during these eras. It is only in our modern age of abstractions that the human soul is thought to have remained more or less unchanged since humans first evolved, as is mistakenly imagined from animals. A deeper science has enabled some to see without preconceptions into the reality of life, and they know that the human soul, during the first era of evolution, was nothing like it was during the era crowned by the mystery of Golgotha, nor was it the same as it is today, when we must work to understand the mystery of Golgotha again if we do not wish to lose it as a fact of knowledge. Therefore, let us consider the nature of the human soul in the ancient East, the age that gave us the wisdom of the Vedas and Vedanta. 
Everywhere today, people look back to the Vedas and Vedanta, often with great misunderstanding. If we look at the souls of those of the ancient East, even those souls living during the ancient Chaldean, Assyrian, Babylonian, and earliest Greek civilizations, we find that they were very different from souls today. The souls of those ancient times lived a more dreamlike, spiritual existence than do the souls of modern human beings, who, while awake, are fully surrendered to the senses, as well as their memory of sensory impressions and whatever the intellect can make of them. The real constitution of human souls today does not have the same form as those of the ancients. They had a much more instinctive wisdom of inner soul and spirit, what we, what we might call a faculty of clear conscious discernment today did not exist then. Ancient people experienced a weaving, mobile inner life whose shadowy echoes remain in our dream life. It was an inner life in which people knew with certainty that a soul, born of divine spirit before they were clothed in earthly form, weaved and moved through their bodies and lived within them. In those times, people experienced their being in a kind of waking dream. They knew themselves as souls, and in this living inner experience, they experienced the body as a kind of sheath, a mere instrument for earthly life. Even while awake, they had this awareness of soul, though it was dreamlike. And they knew with clear conviction that before a physical body clothed them on earth, they lived as souls in a divine spirit world. Direct inner perception revealed their soul and spirit, and as a result their awareness of death was very different from that of modern humankind. Today people feel deeply connected with their bodies. Their inner awareness of soul is not detached from their physical life, as it was in earlier times. They see birth as a beginning, death as an end. The ancients' experience of the soul's eternal nature was so alive and intimate, however, that they lifted, that they felt lifted above birth and death in their contemplation of the soul's life. Birth and death were stages of growth and transformations of life. They knew the reality of a pre-earthly existence, and with equal certainty they knew that they would live beyond the gate of death. Birth and death were transitory occurrences in a continuous life. Nevertheless, it has always been necessary for our immediate experience to be broadened and deepened by knowledge that penetrates the spirit world, an initiation science that tells us more than we find within ourselves or through earthly education. It fell to the old initiate teachers of ancient humanity to provide the answer to a certain mystery in the soul. As I said, as I have said, the people of that time knew soul and spirit through direct experience. Yet for them, too, there was a great mystery in the soul. Through conception and birth we enter physical life and walk the earth. We are clothed in a physical body made of the dead materials of outer nature. Thus we are enclosed in something foreign to our innermost being. The great mystery before those of very ancient times as they looked into their innermost being, was not a mystery of soul and spirit, but nature, 
It arose before them as they sensed the full inner reality of soul and spirit, and they felt a need to understand why they were clothed in a physical body so foreign to their true being. Initiation science, using the same forces that enabled them to gaze into the life of soul and spirit, had to teach them how to understand outer nature, whose manifestations are otherwise silent and unable to speak. The ancient teachers told them that with enough training one could come to understand outer nature if the forces that otherwise lead only to an inner knowledge of the soul were directed towards stones, plants, animals, clouds, stars, the courses of the sun and moon. One would see spirit not only within one's being, but also in a bubbling spring, in flowing rivers and mountains, in gathering clouds, in lightning and thunder, and in stones, plants, and animals. Thus ancient initiation science spoke of looking into one's own being, experiencing soul and spirit, and finding the divine within. Initiation would train the power that sees the divine only in human beings so that it could also see the divine in all of nature. Although clothed in an outer physical body, one could now know that body too is from God. Physical birth brings one into an earthly existence, which itself has a divine origin. Thus the purpose of ancient initiation science was to give humankind the sublime teaching that we can know, not only by looking inwardly that we are born of God. We can see that the body which enters the world through physical birth is also born of God. Hence, all that initiation science teaches to the human soul can be expressed in three penetrating words, ex deo nasimor. This was the first way that initiation wisdom worked on humanity and awakened an inner spiritual awareness. The ancient heathen cults became a form of animism because people felt the need to justify their physical birth in nature. Nature was a soul mystery. In Ex Deo Nasimur, the mystery of nature was resolved, and people could feel their earthly existence sanctified, although, when awake, they still experienced themselves as beings of spirit and soul, transcending the physical. As evolution proceeded, humanity's early dreamy experience of soul and spirit, which was in fact a kind of innate knowledge of our real inner being, gradually faded into the background. We increasingly came to use the instruments of our physical body, in other words, the dreams of a soul and spirit life, which characterized human primal instinct, faded into darkness. And for the first time, during the millennium preceding the mystery of Golgotha, people learned to use their outer senses and the intellect, which is connected with the senses. What we call nature appeared initially as an inner experience. It had been the task of the wise initiates to explain the spirit of nature to the human soul. The purely physical quality of outer nature was now presented as a mystery for the soul. Added to the ancient mystery of human earthly existence was another great mystery in the history of evolution, earthly death. During the millennium before the mystery of Golgotha, 
people came to regard earthly death with much greater intensity. Whereas in earlier times people had little sense of the body and a strong sense of soul and spirit, they now experienced their lives more fully in the physical body. Death, the enigmatic event connected with the physical body, was experienced as the greatest mystery of existence during this second era. The mystery of death emerged with great intensity among the ancient Egyptians, for example. They embalmed their dead because they experienced a terror of death since they saw the relationship between death and the physical body in which they sensed their own existence. The first mystery had been a question of how to live in one's earthly body. The second was a question of how to go through earthly life, excuse me, go through earthly death. When human beings still gazed up to the soul and spirit, which were experienced directly by instinctive clairvoyance, they knew that once the chains of earthly existence fall away, they would no longer belong to the earth. The earthly being would change, and they would again live in realms beyond earth and be united with the stars. For in their instinctive life, the soul knew the stars in spirit. People could read their destiny in the stars and feel united with sun and moon. They knew that they came from the spirit in the stars and that they would return to the stars after earthly death. But now this all became a mystery. One confronted death and saw it as the body's end. One's soul was felt to be inwardly bound to the body, and with a deep awareness of this mystery a question arose. What happens to me when I die? How do I go through the gate of death? At first there was nothing on the earth that answered these questions. The ancient initiates could explain the mystery of nature. They taught ex deo nascimur, if we translate their words into a later language. Awareness of pre-earthly existence, to which human beings return after death, had been so clear in earlier times, but it came to be hidden from the human soul. The instinctive knowledge that one's soul and spirit reached up to the stars was no longer available. And then a powerful event occurred. The spirit of the world of stars, whom a later age called Christ and the earlier Greeks called Logos, descended to earth as a spiritual being and assumed the human body of Jesus of Nazareth. It was humanity's destiny to experience the greatest event of all earthly existence. He whose life had been divined by the ancients as they looked to the stars, the Godhead of whom the divine on earth is also part, passed through earthly life and death. The death and resurrection of Christ were the most essential thing for early Christians who truly understood Christianity. God, who in earlier times revealed himself only from the stars, passed through a human body and carried the solution of the second mystery of existence, the mystery of death, inasmuch as the mystery was revealed in the so-called Gnosis by initiates at the time of the mystery of Golgotha. The initiates could teach that the being who had lived in eternity among the stars had now descended into a human body and vanquished earthly death. Christ had become an extract, in quote, of the cosmic spirit Logos. The ancient initiates pointed to nature and taught that nature is born of God. 
Now, initiates could teach how human beings can be united with the divine being who descended into Jesus of Nazareth, and then passed, as all must, through the gate of death. But he conquered death. It was possible for people to solve the second mystery, that of death, as they had solved the mystery of nature. Buddhism tells us that the Buddha discovered the Four Noble Truths, one of which awoke within him at the sight of a corpse, and he was seized by the utter desolation of the human body in death. After six centuries before the mystery, excuse me, about six centuries before the mystery of Golgotha, as a last remnant of ancient thinking, the Buddha had the vision of death. Six hundred years after the mystery of Golgotha, people began to look at a dead human form on the cross. Just as the Buddha believed that the corpse revealed to him as a final fragment of ancient wisdom the great truth of death, now those imbued with the Christ impulse observed a dead figure on the cross, the crucifix, and in that figure experienced a heavenly guarantee of life beyond death, for death had been conquered by Christ in the body of Jesus. Because they feared death, the Egyptians embalmed their bodies to, in quotes, save human nature forces from death. This was in the age of Ex Deo Nasimor. The early Christians, in whom the impulse of esoteric Christianity continued to live, buried their dead, holding services over the grave with the conviction that death had been conquered by the soul united with Christ. This certainty flowed from the mystery of Golgotha, and the tomb became an altar. Thus, God the Father was the answer to the mystery of nature. Christ was the answer to the mystery of death. Death had lost its sting. Through an argument more powerful than had ever been necessary, death became a metamorphosis of life. Gnosis, which was later exterminated, leaving only fragments, shows that Christian initiates contemplated the mystery of Golgotha with the certainty that Christ had descended to earth to bring new life to the deathly forces of earth. They were able to instill into humanity the truth about the union of mortal human beings on earth with Christ. Through Christ we redeem the forces of death within us and awaken them to life. Thus, those initiates were able to impart a new awareness of immortality to humankind. Souls can be united with the one who experienced the mystery of Golgotha. We can live in Christ's life, death and resurrection. If one's earthly life is more than a mere natural phenomenon, if Christ's kingdom is awakened in one's interactions with others, then one lives in communion with Christ. The divine Christ becomes your brother, both in death and in life. You die in Christ. The truth of life in God the Son, or Christ, could now be added to the primeval truth of our birth from God the Father. Ex Deo Nasimur in Christo morimur, or in Christ we die, as souls we live. This was the nature of human wisdom during the era, beginning a millennium before the mystery of Golgotha, and ending around the end of the 15th century. We are now in the third era, which we must come to understand. In the education of humankind as directed by the great divine world teachers, the truth 
in Christ the Son we die, was added to from God the Father we were, are born. And as we look back at ancient history, we see clearly the great mysteries of the first and second eras. The mystery of the third era, which began several centuries ago, is still relatively unknown and little felt, though it is present to our subconscious feelings. And we yearn for its resolution as deeply as we once yearned for a resolution of the mystery of our physical nature and bodily death. Since the fourteenth and fifteenth centuries, humanity has gained knowledge that goes deeply into nature. Just consider the starry heavens, which were once revealed in dream consciousness, in which the ancients saw their destiny. External calculations, geometry and mechanics have taught us much more about the stars since the beginning of our present age. The science of the stars, biology and botany have spread as purely natural sciences. It was very different in the first era of human evolution and again in the second, when people knew deep in their souls the reality of the divine, which the old clairvoyant soul powers read in the stars and which in Christ descended into the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Christ was alive among humankind. The people of the second era looked to the Christ, they felt him in their hearts, and in this deep communion they experienced revelations of the cosmic spirit, which had once been revealed to ancient, dreamy, clairvoyant consciousness and purpose and meaning to earthly life. During that second era, people lived in cosmic spheres, insofar as they lived in communion with Christ, who had descended to earth from those cosmic spheres. Then came the third era, when the world of stars was understood merely in terms of calculation. People looked through telescopes and spectroscopes and discovered in the stars the same dead elements and substances that exist on earth. During this era, people no longer see Christ as the being who came down from the stars because they do not understand the stars themselves as an expression of the spirit as it weaves in the cosmos. For humanity today there is no God or Christ in the cosmos. Thus it is that our inner consciousness is in danger of losing Christ and the first signs are already visible. The ideas of divine wisdom or theology which for centuries knew of the Christ revelation, are in many respects today powerless to find Christ the God in the human Jesus of Nazareth. Many who contemplate the age of the mystery of Golgotha no longer find Christ as a cosmic being. They find only the man, Jesus of Nazareth. God is absent from the starry heavens, which are now merely a part of nature. People no longer recognize the one who passed through the mystery of Golgotha as the being whose physical kingdom is the entire cosmos, yet also entered the human, Jesus of Nazareth. To the degree that these things are deeply experienced inwardly, there is a difference between those who walk the path of modern initiation and those who merely study natural science. This science has lost the cosmic spirit, and a danger approaches that humanity will also lose the Christ, even in Jesus of Nazareth. Therefore, those today who go more deeply into the natural sciences, which have blossomed during this third period of human evolution, since the 14th or 15th century, 
feel the third great mystery of earthly development. They look back in history to the first great mystery, that of our earthly nature, and to the second mystery, earthly death. Thus the third mystery arises from within, whispering something that people do not want to face yet, though they feel it subconsciously in their hearts. Modern initiates can confirm that our world once spoke to human beings as cosmic spirit, that in ancient times people were awake to the cosmos, but that cosmic consciousness and the sense of oneness with the Christ, who descended to earth to preserve awareness of cosmic spirit, faded away. Now we live in a cosmos that reveals itself only externally. Modern cosmology is like a dream. It observes the cosmos through telescopes, measuring and weighing it. This is today's dream. Instead of uniting us with cosmic spirit, this dream separates us from him. Thus the third great mystery, the cognitive sleep of humankind, confronts people of the third era of evolution, not just the uninitiated, but also initiation science. The deepest thinkers have sensed this, Descartes felt it, and he finally began to doubt all knowledge arising from outer nature. Initially this was felt only vaguely. People must increasingly come to understand that all of the accumulated knowledge of the past five centuries is really a sleeping existence. The third great mystery must gradually become clear to us. In previous times people wondered why they had to live in a physical body and why they had to die. In the third era, New questions arise in our hearts. Why is our cognitive sleep directed only toward outer nature? How can we awake from this dream that can only measure the universe? How can we move beyond the cosmos of astrophysicists and chemists and face a cosmos that in the depths of our being reunites us with its essence? How can we awake from dreaming cognition? Ex Deo Nasimur This was the answer from initiates when humankind first asked why people live in an earthly body. During the age of the Golgotha mystery, initiates tried to answer the question of death by connecting humankind with Jesus Christ, who had passed through death, in Christo Morimur. And in our age and in the coming centuries, it is the task of initiation science to lead humankind gradually to divine awareness making it possible for people to become inwardly awake to spiritual knowledge of the cosmos. Today's initiation science that must arise through anthroposophia is not intended to be a mere extension of the present cognitive sleep, although people are proud of their present knowledge and its wonderful results. Anthroposophic initiation awakens this cognitive sleep. It would awaken humanity which is bound by the dreams of reason and intellect. Hence the initiation science born of anthroposophia is not a mere extension of information and discoveries, but an impulse to awake. Its purpose is to show us how to awake from our sleep of life. Thus, just as the earliest initiates explained ex deonasimer and those who came later in Christo morimo, This new initiation wisdom bears a future life of conscious spiritual knowledge leading to a deepening of religious feeling and to a divine consciousness.
This initiation wisdom leads to cognition of the Christ, the Logos, who passed through the mystery of Golgotha and weaves and works through the cosmos. Inasmuch as we will gradually grow to awareness of our cosmic existence, the initiation science intended to bring a Christology in the truest sense and an art of education in a narrower sense, strives to bring a religious feeling into the practical life it wishes to serve. Out of God we are born as physical human beings. In Christ we die, that is, as souls we live. Initiation science strives to add to this the third truth. When we work through the new initiation toward spirit, then even in earthly life we come to life in the spirit. We experience an awakening of knowledge whereby all of life is bathed in the light of true religion and moral goodness arising from inner devotion. In other words, this new initiation science tries to supplement the answers to the first and second mysteries of initiation as expressed by ex deonasimur and in Christo morimur, while also answering them anew and restoring them to human souls. It endeavors to bring this truth in a fresh and clear way to human hearts. This truth will awaken spirit in human hearts and souls. In the understanding of the living spirit, we ourselves in body, soul and spirit shall reawaken per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of lecture 13.